are listening to Pub Royalty Queen Podcast, a place to empower women of color in the music business. Welcome to Pub Royalty Queen Podcast. This is your host, Janisha Jones, back with another special guest. This week, we have Sam Diodi. Sam is co-founder of Rosedale Collective, a country music label that focuses on promoting artists of color. I've had the privilege of getting to know Sam at this year's Music Biz Conference in Nashville, as we both are advocates for women of color in the music industry. She just exudes big buck energy, so I knew I had to have her on the show. So without further ado, welcome Sam to Pub Royalty Queen Podcast. How are you feeling? feeling great. I'm so excited. I was excited when I met you. So I'm like, I'm ready to ready to talk about all the things. Amazing. Yes, I'm really excited to get your perspective on what it's like being a woman of color in this industry and your experiences so far. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. Tell us about your journey navigating this space and um, what roles led up to you becoming a co-founder of a record label. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I never thought that I'd be working in the music industry. And so I started a, a company called Rosedale Collective a little over a year ago. So really, really new to the music industry. I'm at the intersection of social impact and country music now, which I also never thought I'd be seeing myself in. Mm-hmm. But um, I started my career working with young people of color to really think about how they could uh, you know, really find different pathways into uh, economic prosperity and education. And so work with that first generation college students to get them into college. And so thinking about support systems that really young people need in order to be successful. And so started there, I was like, school system is a little raggedy. I would like to do something else. And so worked with like young people outside of the school system who were artists and kind of worked on the same thing. Like, how do I get them into college? How do I get them opportunities? How do I get them paid? And so really enjoyed that. And I was like, this is dope. And then went back to grad school to really just figure out like, how could I bring all the things that I love together? So media and art and nonprofit and social impact. And so spent a year just kind of like thinking about that. And of course, doing unfortunately the work and then worked various companies working on social impact and then found myself like working at the intersection of social impact and entertainment and realizing country music in particular is one of those genres that I think has a lot of stereotypes. I know that people know them. We think cowboys, trucks, beer, white men. And I was like, I know that there's some people of color who like to sing and enjoy country music, but the landscape doesn't look like that. So what could right. I and some others create as an ecosystem and a pipeline program for young people to like see themselves represented, actually get airtime, radio play on the charts like they deserve and get paid. So uh, mm-hmm. starting with Collective as the first country music label dedicated to amplifying voices of color. Which we need, <laughs> like it's so crazy that uh, we know that country music de- derives from black music, from Southern music, from blues. And I know that we've uh, spoken about this before, but it's just uh, really sad that we're stigmatized out of this genre, which is kind of crazy, like to even be considered like an outsider in this genre, being that we're the ones that uh, created it is a a little strange, you know? So glad that, you know, coming from the activist space that you're leaning into it from that angle and then also offering opportunities for people to kind of see themselves in those, uh, in that genre. So 
amazing that you're able to start an organization like that. And I'm looking forward to seeing who you start to represent and who, who comes from your label. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your mentorship coming up? Um, who has helped you, you know, navigate this arena and what does mentorship mean for you? Yeah, I would say like my entry point into music has been what feels non-traditional. I didn't even think I was going to study music. I'm like, I came in and I was like, I want to start this thing. How do I do it? And so I've just like tapped into my existing networks where I'd like, worked a ton mm-hmm. of jobs a ton of people but kept really good relationships and mm-hmm. so people were like I don't necessarily know the person or like I don't necessarily know how to do it but I think this person can help you and so people mm-hmm. have been just like doing that a ton and so I think even for people that like I don't think necessarily know about like the music industry or necessarily know about country music but they do know about business and they do know about fundraising and they do know about social impact right and so mm-hmm. they're like plugging those things and so that has been incredibly important i'm like if there were not people who are older wiser having experienced those things been able mm-hmm. to just like connect me we i literally would not have been able to get as far or i say we our team wouldn't have been able to get as far. We have like so many people who have like mentored us through the way have been like, Hey, I don't have money, but like, I'm willing to help. I have some ideas. Let me just like, let's hop on a call and like brainstorm together Mm. for an hour on what you could do. And maybe I can find some people that can help you. And that has just happened time and time again, which has been incredible. The unfortunate piece though, we have one advisor. uh, Well, we have a couple of advisors. One advisor um, is a woman of color. She's incredible. Another woman is a white woman. So also a woman has been incredibly helpful. She's like helping a ton of young women of color in the country music space. But all these other mentors are not of color and they don't look like mm. me. And so, right, like the advice that people give me, I think is great and it's valuable. Yeah. I don't think it sometimes applies to me, right? Mm. They're like, who cares? Just go up to them. And I'm like, <laughs> as a black woman, I don't know that I can just go up to them right, <laughs> or like right. me being assertive and confident doesn't come off the same way as white counterparts who are assertive and confident. And so I'm like, I would love to be, and I would love, I would love to, but I don't think that it comes off the same way. And I don't think I'm received in that way. So like sometimes mm-hmm. the advice comes from a good place, comes from their own experience, but because, you know, they're not black women who have had to navigate those things. I don't think it, it really, it matches. And so mm-hmm. I take, I take sense. I'm like, okay, hear you how would that work for me? So it's a little challenging, but I I have been like very grateful and I can see that people are starting to like make way for, Mm -hmm. for young people of color. I think, unfortunately last the past few years, especially with George Floyd's murder, a lot of, we know companies, everybody wants to black lives matter. That's lovely. They want to like make a difference. Unfortunate that 2020 was the year that people started to wake up, but I will take that opportunity for people to be like, okay, now I want to do something. And so I'm like, please, please yes. give me your, your dollars, your, your, your <laughs> <Facts>. prayers. <laughs> and the cash. Yeah. And the cash. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all reparations. You know what I mean? Like you always tell us at this point. I, I genuinely think that's true though. I'm like, pay, pay up. Like the reason why you are able to like, navigate the space that you're able to navigate is because of your whiteness. And if we're giving money and opportunity, I need you to pay that back. Yes. 
And I, I think it is, yes, there, there's an element of it that is genuine. You know that it's coming from a good place. But a lot of it I'm realizing is just the lack of education, right? When you're coming from a place of privilege, you're, you have the privilege of being able to walk around in ignorance and, and kind of have the blinders um, up against you. So you can tell somebody who, who you in your eyes look as an equal, but you don't see their experience. You don't share that same uh, lived experience. So it's uh, sadly, like, I know that we probably talked about this too, is like, I feel like a lot of times women of color or people of color in general have to, every day is a teachable moment. <laughs> and and <laughs> that can be so exhausting, you know? So to be someone that's like one of the first in those spaces, I can imagine it being like, okay, every day, like having to interpret what they're saying and not take it, you know, everything to heart because you know that they're well-meaning, but so, yeah. Seems like a yeah. tough place to be. Yeah, and the other thing is I've been thinking about this quite a bit, just about like advisors and mentors and people who represent me and the things that I want to put out into the world. Cause that's really what a mentor and advisor kind of does is like, mm -hmm. take what you, you know, you've said you want, and then they put out feelers or bring back feelers. And so I'm like, I would love women of color mentors in the music space. They are not the demographic that control and are the gatekeepers in the space mm -hmm. that I'm trying. To mm -hmm. And so I'm like, it actually benefits me to have a white male mentor in this right. space to like navigate and like push down doors and yeah. also have the they already have but I'm also like but you don't fully get me and I don't want to feel like a charity case right. I will feel like you will pay me though so I that I will <laughs> but like right like it's never it's not that and so it's an interesting kind of like battle of yeah. okay cool cool like I will have to put some of my things aside if I want to be able to like get through this door which very frustrating Oftentimes I'm like, I would like to not have to talk to you today. And, and then you just, yeah, unfortunately I feel like people of color, particularly women of color, particularly black women often are just like, I'm just, this is my job. I have to do it or yeah. I care about it and I want it to work. And so I'm going to like swallow whatever it is that is frustrating to just like keep pushing forward. So that is such a, oh my gosh. Like I hear that echo so many times in this interview about the like, switching aspect of it not being able to show up completely as yourself because you don't know how it's going to be received and so like you're constantly having to have that internal battle and then a lot of times too like because of the repercussions that come from speaking up for yourself and advocating you tend to gaslight yourself so it's like, well maybe I'm crazy maybe I didn't maybe I didn't address that the right way or maybe I said something the wrong way like and uh, most of the time, that's not the case. It's just the receiving end is maybe not comfortable being in those spaces with people that, and that's the interesting thing too, is that as much as people want to say that they're colorblind, when, when they're uncomfortable, that's when all of a sudden, oh, oh yeah, that's a black person. Or, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden it dawns on them. Oh, no wonder, you know, you have right. an attitude. You're black. Like, it's okay. <laughs> Like, all right. She was, she was five. Like, I, you're confusing me now. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. And it's, it's a battle like with yourself and you're yeah. like, wait a second. First of all, over here, supposed to be on the same team. And then you go into battle and you're like, wait, wait, wait guys, we're not supposed to be fighting each other. We're, right. we're yeah. Exactly. But, but it makes you feel that way. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, I was going to say something about that, but okay. now I can't remember. So it'll come back to me. 
Awesome, yeah, we'll come back to it, we'll circle back. So there are a lot of challenges that are unique to women of color in the music industry in particular. Can you describe for us one specific challenge that you've had to overcome? Yeah, I would say that like, sorry, there's so many. I'm like, where do I start with the challenges? <laughs> in particular, I would say trying to like enter this space. And I think country music in particular is a one that is gated, one that is like very specific and traditional. And I believe that I'm a person who often tries to bring new ideas. And so bringing, being a black person, being a woman, being a person who constantly likes to bring new ideas, I feel like I bring a lot of tension. I'm like, tension to a place that already has it. And so like, that's a challenge of like, okay, what part of me do I dial back or what part of my idea do I dial back? How do I create safety for people so that they feel like they can trust me? And that, and that is like the biggest challenge I'm having right now. I think one of the things is normal, not normal, traditional record labels usually have a group of artists that they sign and then they, they work with them and that's how they make their money. Mm-hmm. Rosedale is doing something pretty different in that we are working and doing artist development that labels don't often do anymore. And then we're signing artists, depending on like whether they want to still work with us, you know, getting them an out if they wanted one. Mm-hmm. That is a different concept. And people are like, I don't know. Right. So there's that. Then I'm also like, but also let's challenge country music and folk and Americana for representation. And also I'm a person of color and a mm-hmm. woman. It's just a lot. And like I could imagine it's like being waterboarded with a lot of things that you didn't know were coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, like a challenge and people often, especially, and because we are doing kind of a non-traditional route to being a label, we're going a different fundraising route through venture capital and mm-hmm. oftentimes venture capital, they don't like to admit it, but they invest in people who remind them of themselves or look right. like them. And so mm-hmm. when I don't look like you and I don't remind you of yourself subconsciously, you don't trust me. Right. right. And so I can't, I can't make that happen for you. I can't right. make you feel like the white teenager that you were is in me. I try, <laughs> right. Like I for my like experiences of being at predominantly white institutions and like trying mm-hmm. to like make cultural references that you, you like, that make you feel like, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm over here being a half different person. Right. I want you to trust me. That's wild. Right. And so like, every day like I am in meetings every single day trying to like get someone to believe in my idea and I'm like it is hard enough for people to just like believe in your idea I then have to like battle the fact that like no one looks like me and they're also like skeptical and so it that I would say right now that is the biggest challenge of like how do you get people to trust you when like you just don't look like them and I can't change that on either either of our parts whether Mm -hmm. you know like and so right now that is the biggest Oh, well, it's also what comes from being a pioneer, right? Like, cause you're, you're going against the grain and you're doing something that's brand new. So I almost feel like you're blazing the path for other people as well by doing what you're doing. So even though it's a rough challenge, a rough road ahead is a challenge. Like, I think it's completely worth it. Everything that you're, all the effort that you're putting into it. So, but yeah, it's interesting to hear about all the different avenues by which you're receiving some of these, you know, these obstacles. So just keep on going, girl. Like, I feel like you got all the right things going for you. You know what I mean? You got all the right mindset. You you have a team to lean on as well. You know, they may not be able to like, I, I feel like maybe 
what happens with the team too is that they have strengths and you have weaknesses. So you just kind of lean into each other for certain things, right? Like let them navigate certain arenas. And then because this is black music, you're the you're the sauce, you know, you come in there and you bring what what you know that you bring to the table. And you know, hopefully that'll be the investment for um, when you're going out and looking for people to invest in what you're doing. So I feel I'm in the same arena that you're in right now in terms of like business opportunities and trying to like put the feelers out and see like who's going to latch on. And what I've realized is that a lot of it is learning how to promote yourself and advocate for yourself. Yeah. So, and I can imagine that being a very tough thing in that genre specifically, but I think that's also part of the power and magic that you have is that you're different. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And that's fine. For, and that's yeah, it's so weird because it does work to my advantage, right? Like yeah. we are a predominantly black owned company, but we do have another co-founder who is not black. And so there are moments where I'm like, I think you should talk instead. Yeah. Like this is a moment where I think you are the one that should speak. Or he's like, hey, I, I'm getting some feeling. Like, let me, I got this. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, great. But I will say people are like, well, if it's a initiative that is working towards progress for people of color, mm-hmm. every like everyone should be of color on your team. Or they're like, it's great mm-hmm. that you're a black woman in a minority owned business, right? Like it's lovely mm-hmm. because I'm trying to support that. So like in weird ways, it it is beneficial, but I'm like, it feels weird. It feels a little icky. And I don't know, really know how to like touch on it, but it feels a little icky. And I'm also like, it is hard to predict, which like yeah. that inconsistency is hard to get in front of. Right. right, like when oh, I know someone is really racist and has racist views, I can kind of get in front of that because I like know what right. to expect. Right. But with this, I'm like, well, well, do you want me to be of color and like be super of color? <laughs> like, are you looking for someone that you feels like you feel is palpable? Right. And like that, I can't. It's the that performative is thing that is the performative aspect of it. I mean, I feel like unfortunately. Um, no, honestly, like I was going to say that is something that that is something that everyone experiences, but you have a choice to be authentic, right? And just be you and the right people. And it's so cliche to say, but the right people will resonate with who you are and tap into that. So, yeah, that is a, a issue that is very nuanced, specific to women of color. And, and I don't know how to circumvent that, but I've always just leaned into just do, just be me, like, just be yourself. And, and I, I think, then they are, if not, then they're not. And like, I think especially when I'm taking your money, right? Like you want, if I want your money, I actually need you to know who I am. And so like exactly. for the people who are like, I feel like I'm turning something on or like, I need to do something else. I'm actually like, first of all, I can't, if I can't do this all the time. Right. So if I can't do this all the time, I actually don't want it. Right. And I, right. I don't it. And it means we're not aligned, which if that's the case, then we shouldn't, we shouldn't do this. And that's okay. Right. It's like getting into right. a marriage. Like if I'm not catching the vibe, like the vibes are bad while we're dating, <laughs> the vibes are bad while we're in a relationship, we should not get married. Right. So like you wouldn't do that. And so like, I'm trying to like lead with that. Cause I'm like, who I am on this call is who I'm going to be next week and the week after that and next year and after you give us money and when we might be bankrupt and when we might soar, right? Like, so like, I'm going to be the same person. I don't want like, especially going through hardship for people to be like, wait a second. And I'm like, then I'll be uncomfortable. Like no need to develop the, continue to develop the anxiety, like commit to being yourself. And the people who really believe in it, really like you will come. I'm like, definitely 
I feel it. And when we talk to people who like get it and vibe and understand and think it's a problem, I'm like, this conversation feels different, right? It feels completely different, feels like it's working. And I'm like, this is great. I, I like, it's not as hard. And so I'm like, those pieces just don't need to be that difficult. And especially when you're trying to build a whole thing from the ground up, this piece alone, I don't need to have that part. I don't need it to be difficult. So what would you say was your mama, I made it moment, the time that you realized that you were headed in the right direction? And what do you attribute, what characteristics do you attribute to reaching that point? Yeah, so I said over a year, a little over a year ago, started Rosedale, and then I quit my job in my full-time job at the time in September of 2021 was like, I'm just going to, we're just going to do this. We're doing this full-time We're, you know, it needs all of our energy. We launched a summit in November at the Grammy museum in LA and the national, the oh. uh, African-American museum of music in Nashville. And Huge. at the same time, first That's of all, so I, I was like, okay, we're, we're having a summit. We're inviting like the greats from like Frankie Stanton, who is like incredibly amazing, started the Black uh, Country Music Association. We gave an award to like an incredible Black country music artist from the, like the like 60s, 80s. So like so exciting, wow. right? Like we were yes. so excited. I am nervous. I am nervous. <laughs> like we're doing it. Shaking. I'm like, will anyone come? I'm like, the worst oh, possible thing will people show up? And then I'm like, honestly, I'd rather no one show up than 10 people show up. So I was like getting started. I'm starting to be like, are we going to have enough people show up? Because like, actually, I want no one to come if only 10 people are coming. And then I'm like, well, we're a lot. So we planned on lot, like we were starting in Nashville, live streaming what was happening in Nashville to the audience in LA. Then the show oh, would wow. switch and the audience in LA would have stuff live and that was live streamed to an audience in Nashville. And so I was scared that the audio oh, wouldn't work. There's a lot. Lord, I was like, this, I'm worried. I'm worried. Anyway, it didn't, none of that happened. It was incredible. And so many people came like over 120 people came. First of all, it was like wow. 120 people. That's amazing. Yes. So many incredible people. People were like coming up to me and being like, this is so incredible. I'm so happy that this has happened. There's nothing, like nothing has existed like this. Thank you for giving it a platform. And I was just like, this is this is what like, it feels like to have like yes. done a thing. And yes. it's like, it was, it was incredible. <laughs> and that's not yet the mom I made it moment, not quite. So I do that and I'm like, okay, this is cool. But like my family never really understood what I did one like just like never really got it I've always done things that like don't make a ton of sense like my major did, was new didn't have a real title like always and so I like to tell my parents about it I'm super excited I'm like here's what happened I spend the week at home back in New York City taking calls and just like doing do like doing my work I'm just like working but because I'm at my parents house I'm in the living room at my parents house and so my mom is just like around listening to me on calls and like my mom is like a tough critic she does like doesn't get anything thinks that you anything you should do should be financially stable and like taking these risks is risky the and she, she's like I don't understand why you would do this I get off of a call, like I'm full day of calls. I like also teach on the side, so I'm teaching and I'm like talking about the work that we do all day. And I get off and my mom's like, I think I get what you do now. This is incredible. Like she's like, I, I can see it. I see like, you're talking to people, you're networking, you're trying to build this thing. Like, this is amazing. And I was like, 
what? Oh, and then no. I was like, oh, I made it. Yes, when you make <laughs> it, my mom was like, help. Yeah. And she was like, do you, like, my mom was like, she's retired. And so like, is working, but like, you know, doing fun things because she's in retirement and offered to help. And so I was like, oh. my mom wanting to like work with us is just like, that's when I'm like, yes. Like that is like, my family believes in like what I'm trying to do. I think is like, that oh, was the moment. Everything. Okay. I was like, I don't need the 120 people who came to our summit. <laughs> so I do. But like my mom said, it's fine. Yes. Oh, I yeah. love that. That's so inspiring. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. When all the hard work, when when your family makes a big deal out of what you're doing, because then you'll see the effort and the hard work that you're putting into it, what you're invested into it, your emotions invested into it, your money invested into it, and then they see the fruition of all of that, and, and then it starts to make sense to them. Now, also, yeah. like, I know that you said you're, you're fairly new to music, the music industry, but that is an ongoing thing. People don't know what others do in the music industry. Like, families is notorious, notoriously do not know what people do in the music industry. It's, it's actually, like, a, a running joke. So, welcome to the club. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's happening. She knows that we did a thing. She doesn't know what I do. Yeah, for sure. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure half of my family has no idea what I do. Um, so it is just yeah. what it is. It's par for the course of this business. Yeah. But that's also the beauty of it, too. Like, it is kind of that that special place, you know. Um, and then you're doing something that is, like, tremendous because you're open up, opening up lanes that weren't open to us until just recently. So that's even more, you know, I guess, astonishing for a lot of folks, especially those of color. So. Congratulations on that, girl. That sounds like a huge feat, though, like to coordinate between, you know, two major metropolitan cities and two different time uh, time codes, time zones, time codes. (laughs) Time codes, time zones, zip codes, who cares? Same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you the kind of week that I've had. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only referring to time zones as time codes now, so All right, now that's an inside joke. Yeah. Wait, are we in the time, same time zone right now? You're in LA. I am in LA. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll have to um, we'll have to do a trip out in Nashville together. I think that was yes. fun, um, hanging out. Yeah. It's a good time. Broadway. <laughs> so, if there was anything that you could have done differently in your career, what would it have been, and what would you tell your younger self? Yeah, I think about this a lot because I'm always like, well, what if I did this and change this? And like, where would I be? Like right now, I would not change anything because I like don't know how I would have gotten here. I wouldn't have like, if any moment was different, I would not be here where I am right now. I will say like today, I got my college like newsletter from Mm -hmm. or magazine back. I wish I took an econ class. (laughs) Like oh, okay. I went to a liberal arts college and I'm, I was so convinced that I was so like arts and music and, <laughs> or like film and reading and literature, which I was, but I was like sociology and like capitalism's bad. Like why would I take an econ class? And I regret it. I wish I took an econ class and I, I, like, wish I understood the basics of macro and microeconomics. Like it is just like into the way that the United States functions. And when you are working 
systems and trying to change systems, trying to do that without understanding the economics behind the reasons why people do things is mm-hmm. difficult. I I'm getting a crash course MBA while trying to like build this business, which is incredible. But like, I wish I didn't have to Google some things. Right. And so I think like for people who are just like arts and social and like social science minded, I, I would like, please take a stats. I, most people are required to take stats. I didn't even do that. I was like, astronomy, like why? <laughs> Which maybe I could tell you a little bit about the stars, but like, yes. but yeah, I wish I took a class. So yeah, or some that. type of business. Yeah, I, that is, it's yeah. my one regret. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially Regardless. as an entrepreneur or someone who is starting a business, like, yeah, you know, a lot of folks I know in the music industry that aren't necessarily artistically inclined entered by, you know, going through, getting their MBA and learning business classes, what have you. You know, I took statistics in in school, even though I went to a media arts school, that was a required course statistics, which has played a major role in my career right now as a data scientist. I would say that, you know, even sociology though, you know, that's not necessarily like a a general course that you might take in, in college, but if you're trying to learn how or why people do the things that they do, sociology, psychology, especially when you're learning about persuading people to do the things that you want them to do, right? If they're stuck in their ways or, you know, generational trauma, you having to navigate that or just like traditions and all of those things, I think that's probably what would also played a huge part in changing people's opinions about people of color being in this lane. So yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And I wish I had taken some more of those uh, behavioral science mm-hmm. classes too. Uh, I took a lot of business classes. I think I got that hey. unlocked, but the sociology part, <laughs> that's the part that I'm like a little naive to, like I'm still learning. Oh, oh, okay. I probably shouldn't have said that thing. Of course they're going to react. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, but the thing is, I like, as I'm saying it, I'm like, I still take an econ class. I can still read economics and business. I can also like do a little research on like psychology basics. The other thing I really want to do is marketing. Like I feel like, especially with the music industry, marketing is king. And so like, I really, or queen, but I, I (laughs) as a patriarchy, but like, I (laughs) wish that I had like I get marketing and understand it but like I want to know like what are those tricks how do you make somebody like break because like a lot of the budgets in the music industry are dedicated to marketing yeah biggest budget is insane yeah and so yeah so that's if anyone wants to go with me going to business school now and marketing school and advertising and yeah but huge I, I was looking at the numbers earlier um, about how much the industry invests in um, artist development and marketing. I think it was about 15% of their business is dedicated to A&R. In doing my data analysis for uh, on women of color in the industry, when I was looking at how the coveted roles A&R and marketing, you know, I wonder if a lot of that had to do with the fact that we're not aware of other roles existing in the industry. Yeah, it's not like the other things aren't important. It's essential, right? right? Like people talk about that. 
I'm like, the way people make money is because someone owns somebody's masters. Right, and so right. they're licensing it out. And right. that's where the money is. There's the licensing part. Like, like people don't really understand. I think that's part of it too. Like when I talk about music publishing and how everyone's like, oh, I want to learn about publishing. It's like, to me, it's so, so simple because I've been doing it for 10, 10 years. Right. So I'm like, this is where the money is. How aren't you focused on that? But totally. I digress. No, people just don't know that. It's also not the like, it's never been the thing that people have like been is the sexy part of the business. Yeah, no, right? not like, at all. Being yeah. Artists and being at their shows and being behind stage and like working with difficult artists is always exactly. a thing that has been like so cool. First of all, I'm like, if anybody wants to do that, please do that. I'm not interested. <laughs> like I want to be where the money is. And it yes. is, and, you know, A&R and marketing all important, but those things require a lot of FaceTime with individuals who might not be the easiest to work with. And it's just not, okay. but like, it's like not, not the jobs that there are in abundance. Like there are tons of publishing, exactly. but there are just more, when you look at a record labels makeup, there are more publishing roles and licensing roles and all of those other kind of more technical roles than there are of A&R and marketing roles. And so like the opportunity for you to get into a space, if you want to enter is it's a different one. Sure. It doesn't yeah. sound as great. But like maybe it needs a rebrand. Needs- in a different way because you're not competing yeah. against a huge pool of people, but you are creating a competitive advantage because right. people don't know what you know in those spaces or yeah. want to be don't want to be in those spaces. So <laughs> you cool. have this- I think they're cool. You presented so much information, like data and information that I thought was so interesting. And I'm like, people don't know. I'll they just don't something. know. I was watching a YouTube video yesterday about DE&I initiatives that the music industry is um, putting into place. And it was a panel of Black HR folks. And um, one of the things that they mentioned was how there's a lack of data on us. And they're like, we need more of that. I'm like, you know what? I didn't even realize. You know, just I just did it because I wanted to do it. Like, I wanted to know that I wasn't right. alone. <laughs> you know? Even thinking about, like, there not being enough data, Part of the reason why there isn't enough data is one, people aren't collecting it, but two, we haven't been able to be in the game for as long as other people have. And so like just quantity of data that there would even be is less, right? So like, and like the people, the two people early on weren't collecting data because there wasn't any data to collect because they were like, it's just me. (laughs) That's the crazy part. So we can talk about that afterwards about like how all of that even came to be because of course, I'm going to be looking for the data to exist out there already, right? And it was shocking. <laughs> Unsurprisingly <create> shocking. But <laughs> <laughs> like, well. it, it wasn't out there. Like, okay, yeah. fine. I'll just do it myself. Anyway. Which is incredible. Off of that. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. Like the business side, like learning more about the industry. I think everyone could find advantage to that and learn more about, because what I find when I'm talking to ANRs and marketing people too is that they're asking more of the business questions where I feel like they could empower themselves more by having that knowledge, right? Positioning their clients, you know? So absolutely. What yeah. would you say? Oh, what kind of advice would you give aspiring women of color uh, in the music industry? Yeah, I would say like talk to as many people as you can. Like even if you think that they are not even related to what you're trying to work on. I think the biggest thing and what I've noticed from my short stint in the music industry is like relationships matter. 
so much. Like, mm-hmm. and I know people that almost every business, but like music for real though, yeah. like it is literally who you know. And like, yeah, I would just say, you just got to talk to everybody and try and like, even when people say, and like, I don't know what podcast I listen to. I listen to a lot of like venture capital and the entrepreneur podcast about like, how did you get your thing going? And I'm not saying don't take no for an answer, but take no as an opportunity maybe is a better way to put it. So like when someone says, no, I can't help you or no, this doesn't work for me or no, this isn't the thing that, you know, doesn't, I don't want to, which is also, we're always scared of getting the no. So first you have to put yourself out there to receive the no. Take it as an opportunity to one, get feedback, which I think is just like incredible, right? People tell me, no, this isn't for me. And I'm like, okay, great. Can you tell me what would be for you? Or can you tell me someone that you know that this might be good for, right? And then maybe they're like, actually, I just don't think it's a good idea. And then if someone says that, I'm like, okay, like obviously it hurts, but like good to freaking know that like, it just like, isn't good. Cause I think we are afraid to get answers that we don't want to hear. And in addition, don't follow up. We just kind of shut down when we receive things that we don't, that aren't positive necessarily, or have not been perceived as positive. I have started loving the opportunity for someone to be like, this isn't for me or like, no, thank you or no. And I'm like, okay, great. Can I have feedback, please? (laughs) So I'm like, great. What do you think about this? Or how would you change it? Or what would be different? Or what's the thing that's not clicking for you? Cause like, there's something there that's not clicking and I will continue to do the same thing. And I do until someone's like, no, don't do that. And I'm happy to pivot. But if I don't know that I should pivot, I'll keep doing the same thing. And that's insanity. So don't do that. It's akin to saying there's no such thing as failure because, I mean, when you're putting money into things and you lose money, that's considered a loss. But at the same time, there's a lesson in that, right? So I think that is extremely valuable, what you said, uh, to learn how to take rejection with grace and learn how to turn that into something valuable. Like, how do I actually apply this in a way that's going to create results and bring me to the result that I want. So that's valid. I love that you said that. Um, and I think women of color in particular need to hear a little bit more of the feedback. Um, that was one of the things that um, the data was presenting was how infrequently women of color don't receive feedback on their work. And so, and then how that yeah. completely impacts your promotional opportunities or lack thereof or you know, just even having rapport with your supervisors, being able to see yourself in their position is you know, lacking because you don't have that interaction. So yeah, it's important to advocate for yourself in that way. Like, hey, you know, what do you think about this that I'm doing? What do you, you know, is there anything I can improve? Because you wanna grow as a person, you wanna to continue to challenge yourself and, and put your best foot forward. So in what ways can women of color, and we just, pretty much did this, but um, what ways can women of color advocate for themselves um, and each other in the music industry? Because it is very competitive. We're, we're taught to, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. I have seen something beautiful happen in country music in particular. In a way, I haven't seen it happen in the other parts of the other genres, maybe in the music industry. I should probably repeat myself. Whole plane going by. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Hear it. One thing I've seen in particular in country music that I haven't seen in other genres is women in particular, black women are like, I made it or I made it to a certain level, bringing more people with me, which I'm like, I love this energy. First of all, I'm like, 
know you don't want to be the only one. And when someone does want to be the only one, you probably don't want to hang out with them. And maybe some people want to do that. That is not my vibe. Those are not my people. And that's fine. But like Mickey Guyton, Brittany Spencer, they're all like, you know what? If I make it, someone else needs to come with me. There's another slot. I'm putting another person on stage. And I'm like, this is, I have not seen that in the same way. And I'm sure there's mentorship and stuff happening. I see it in hip hop with men. But I definitely see it with women in country music and people of color in general in country music. It is beautiful. And I'm like, I want to continue to cultivate this community, which is one of the things that just like makes me so excited is I'm like, one person has an opportunity and they're like, we're bringing somebody else with me. So I think black women bring people with you when you can, right? Someone says, do you have a plus one? Make it a black woman, bring them with you. (laughs) Bring them with you. They're just like opportunities that they wouldn't get otherwise. And then one, you don't have to be alone. So that's great. And then yeah. just like sharing, sharing it, sharing. Yeah. I think you just. All of it. that. I love it. Yes. Major key right there because <laughs> we do to uh, elevate each other. We need to be a community. And I think that's part of the thing that's been lacking is like that crabs in a barrel mentality, um, really feeding yeah. into the like, oh, there's only one seat at the table for, for us, you know, and if someone else comes in, I have to now like, fight for my my spot and it's like no now you can actually advocate for them and say well if I was able to do this that they should be able to do this and that only helps you to get even further now you have an extra voice that's supportive of what you're doing and yeah it's it's a that's it's your teammate yeah exactly exactly and the truth is if they don't win neither do you and like I don't think you realize that but I'm like the white people are looking at what, unfortunately we're monolith to, to many. And yeah. so like anything one person does, it reflects on you. So I'm like, the other person's not doing great. Guess what? They think you also don't do great. And that's exactly. not great for anybody. So I'm like, it actually doesn't help. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, we have to just continue to lift each other up and empower each other in these spaces. And we need to see ourselves in those roles as well. And it's leadership roles that we can actually pull people up with us um that's part of the issue is like back to your uh conversation about the gatekeepers not not seeing us in themselves right right so like once you break that barrier then it can come in upon us to bring people that look like us in those spaces because totally no one else is gonna do it (laughs) yeah not a priority for them which people are like i get it is like human nature it is fight or flight type behavior to bring people along who look like you because it's yeah. safer, you're, it's less risky. I yeah. get it. They are not prioritizing that for you, right? Like you don't look like them. Exactly. They don't totally feel safe. You, it is, you're, to your point, incumbent that you bring somebody along because that's It's a responsibility that, that we have and we should take ownership of that. I think it's I'm, exciting. I'm excited it to bring a friend. This is great. Exactly. I love it. I love it. So, what can we expect from Sam in the future? What projects excite you at the moment? Yeah, Rosedale is my little business baby that excited to continue to work on. We are working on launching our residency program for five young artists of color, musicians of color to work together, uh, build together. So that's coming later this year. And then really continuing to support folks in the country folk Americana genre. So events, so there are events coming up, some 
fun things that I would love for people to attend, support, and then also more partnerships and collaborations. So looking at working with brands and partners and, and community builders to really kind of change the narrative around what we think about country music and black people and how people of color really are perceived within, we're not a monolith. And so continuing yeah. to expand the myriad of things that black people do, I we do everything. It. Oh, I'm excited. And I, I'm going to be waiting on my invitation to one of your events. So yeah. Support and bring the coalition with me. That's right. So, right. So see us out here in these streets, in these, in these cobble streets. Yes. Ooh, we love to see it. The aesthetic. <laughs> uh, Sam, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? At Sam underscore Jola on Instagram is my personal handle, but I am now transitioning to using our Rosedale Collective Instagram. So at Rosedale Collective um, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all the things. One day I'll be on TikTok for real um, <laughs> to give some guidance on how I might engage in the challenges please let me know but yeah that's where you can find me amazing well i'm just so grateful for you thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your journey with us i'm sure there's so many women that just you know can use your information and apply it to their lives and move in the best direction for them so i really do appreciate you have a great day thank you so much it was great Remember, stay positive, inspired, and true to yourself. Go out there and kill it. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Pub Royalty Queen Podcast.